Your insurance needs are as unique as the work you do and the industry you're in. Having the right protection in place is just the start. There's so much you can do to mitigate risks to your business for today and as you grow. At Sovereign Insurance, we're here to help with valuable information, insights, tips, and tools to help you protect your operations. Visit SovereignInsurance.ca to learn more. As a small business owner, you are the business, and you know the time you're spending on payroll and HR could be spent in a hundred better ways. Ceridian PowerPay is fast, simple, and intuitive software trusted by over 40,000 Canadian small business owners like you. Automate your HR and payroll processes, keep track of compliance, and pay your people from your desktop or mobile phone. Free up time to focus on what really matters when it comes to your business, and get back to doing what you love with Ceridian PowerPay. Welcome to the Startup Canada podcast, a show serving Canada's entrepreneurship community. On this show, we connect you with the most innovative and entrepreneurial movers, shakers, and changemakers across Canada. With day-in-the-life stories and in-their-shoes experiences, we dive into the true grit of running startup and scale-up companies and the lives of those driving the entrepreneurial movement in Canada. The Startup Canada podcast is a production of Startup Canada, the national rallying community for Canada's 3.5 million entrepreneurs. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google Play Music, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. I'm your host, Matt Curtis, and welcome to the show. Ladies and gentlemen, entrepreneurs from coast to coast to coast, welcome to the Startup Canada podcast. And today we're thrilled to have Daryl Sherman, CEO at the Canadian Gay and Lesbian Chamber of Commerce, on the show today. Daryl is an advocate for effecting social change through the economic empowerment of LGBT plus entrepreneurs. Growing up in small town Alberta in an entrepreneurial family, Daryl had a passion for business and knew the struggles small businesses face. But as someone who felt that he had to hide his true self, he knew even more of the struggles facing LGBT plus people. He soon realized that he could combine his passion for business and his commitment to supporting LGBT plus inclusion while leveraging his entrepreneurial background. In 2003, he co-founded the CGLCC, Canada's LGBT plus Chamber of Commerce, a national not-for-profit organization with a mission to expand the opportunities and advancement of the LGBT plus business community in Canada. Now with a team of 10, Daryl and the CGLCC is proving that LGBT plus inclusion is good for business and good for Canada. Welcome to the show, Daryl. Great. Thanks for having me, Matt. And we're very happy to have you. So, Daryl, before we dive into our conversation today, what is the one thing you want our audience to take away? Great. And, you know, and I think for for us, as, as you talked about what some of the, the things that we do, it's really, you know, for people to understand that for Canada to grow and for our communities to grow, we need to realize and understand the importance of an inclusive economy and, and just how important diversity is in, in how we do business. You know, and, and and I will say that when, you know, when I talk about diversity, I'm talking about all forms of diversity and not just LGBT plus diversity. You know, I'm talking about, you know, our women owned businesses, our indigenous owned businesses, our, our minority owned businesses. Diversity is a strength when it comes to doing business. And, and we need to ensure that we as a business community and, and, and as a community overall or a country overall are doing everything that we can and to, to support and embrace that diversity. Mm. And I, I find one of the one of the interesting things about that too is that um, really at its core, 
when you understand the experiences and are empathetic to the experiences of consumers across markets and the more diverse you can make your consumer portfolio, really the, the more it enhances your chance that there are going to be people who want your products. Yeah, absolutely. You know, when we're looking at from a business perspective and we're looking at our, our consumer base, you know, we need to be attuned to what our, our community and, and our customers are looking for. And and obviously our, our customer base is, is diverse. And so we need to know how to best serve uh, serve them, whether it's the products that we're creating and developing or the, the services that we're providing. So having that, that diversity of thought inside our own businesses is important. Um, and thereby to, to what you said is that it helps us to be able to grow kind of a, a stronger following and a stronger uh, client base overall. Mm. So kind of building on that and, and really Speaking from a from an, a, a unique uh, perspective of yourself and from the organization that you have co-founded and represent, can you explain what the vision, what the vision and mission of the LGBT plus Chamber of Commerce is? Yeah, and, and you know, ultimately, our, our vision is really to, as as you mentioned in the in my intro, is really to affect social change by economically empowering. LGBT plus entrepreneurs, you know, so everything that we do is is centered around LGBT entrepreneurs You know, our, our mission is really to connect and, and and I think the key word there really is connect is connecting LGBT plus enterprises with with both uh, corporate and government partners and and each other to create and leverage Canadian and, and international business opportunities and, and we do that uh, via partnerships programming and and really growing our organizational strength. And so, you know, I think when you, when you start to look, what does that really mean? I think at, at the end of the day, you know, our goal and, and, and my job is to really, as mentioned, supporting our LGBT entrepreneurs. It's helping them to, to grow and, and ultimately be successful and succeed in, in, in across Canada here. Um, you, know, at, you know, I always like to say our, my goal is to create a thriving uh, and inclusive uh, economy for Canada. And so we do that through, you know, the various programs that we have that we deliver nationally. Um, but really critical to that is is our collaboration with our, our regional and our national partners uh, and our corporate partners that really, really understand the importance of, of working with with us and, and LGBT entrepreneur, LGBT plus entrepreneurs um, to be able to create that that really strong ecosystem here in Canada. Mm. I, I want to know uh, and, and kind of get a sense of when when you approach people with, with an offer for partnership or in your experience approaching people for offers for partnerships, where do you find yourself meeting with them in terms of um, in terms of not not openness is the wrong word, but uh, but readiness to implement a, uh, a strategy that involves um, LGBT plus consumers, LGBT plus businesses, LGBT plus uh, entrepreneurs. Do you find that you're like kind of meeting in the middle? Do you find that you're uh, knocking on somebody's door and they're like, oh, wow, we, we never really considered this, but this is a great idea. Or do you find that, you know, you're jumping on board to great ideas that people already have and offering a kind of unique perspective that uh, maybe they hadn't considered before? That's a really good question. And I, to be honest, I would say that it's probably a mix of, of everything you just highlighted there. So we have some some of our, our partners, some of our industry and, and corporate partners really just believe in what we're doing and really believe in supporting LGBT entrepreneurs and entrepreneurship. 
Um, and so, and are part of us because of, of that. Um, and so I guess part of that might be kind of from a, a corporate social responsibility perspective. Um, and then we have other corporate partners that join us for, you know, more on the alignment and engagement within the LGBT community broadly. And so probably a little bit more from the, the sales and marketing perspective, if you will. So, you know, I think that it does really uh, depend on the, the corporate partner and the industry partner, you know, what are they looking to get out of that? Um, and then for us, we have a, a host of uh, a variety of different programs that we programming that we offer. Um, and so we try to find the best fit so that we can bring value to, you know, to those partners, but also at the end of the day, making sure that, uh, that we're bringing value to our LGBT entrepreneurs. Mm. And, and I would say that's that's really an, an, an interesting mix and an interesting uh, alignment of values as well because again it's it's obvious that uh, there is over over the really in the past ten years there's, there's been such a shift such a, a, a cultural mind shift uh, towards you know not only the acceptance but the promotion and the uh, just really the really again acceptance and promotion of uh, LGBT plus um, everything really and getting everybody on board and, and moving everybody forward with this uh, with this idea of coming together and, and really molding everybody's interest and tying them to business uh, seems to be such a uh, such an in not only an interesting direction to take but the way and the proper way to move forward yeah and I think it is it is something that businesses now it's it's not just uh, something that's nice to do. It's it's a necessity, you know. If for businesses to really be successful, they have to be in in touch with and and really looking at diversity and inclusion, and, and again, diversity and inclusion broadly, and, and and you know, obviously specifically for LGBT plus. And and I think that where we're at now, and, and probably over the last decade, has been a lot of the focus has been really on the internal piece. You know, when we're talking LGBT plus. Uh, diversity and inclusion. It's really been, you know, what are we as a as a company, as an organization, doing from an HR perspective? You know, do we have? Are we recruiting diverse employees? And you know, are we making sure that they're inclusive within, you know, within the the, the four walls of of our office and you know within the workplace? Um, but where where we're been where we've been pushing and and for the last few years is. You know, going beyond that and looking at, as, as you talked about, okay, so what are we doing within those diverse communities outside of our, our business? What are we doing within those diverse communities? So, you know, as, as a company, as a business, how are they engaged within the LGBT plus community broadly? And then even taking the next step and where one of our core programs is, is really around the, the the supplier base, and so um, looking at procurement and supply chain, and and what are companies and organizations doing to engage LGBT entrepreneurs, and that's that's a big crux of what we do as an organization is making sure that corporations and 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 uh, public entities are really looking to uh, engage that diversity within their supply chain and looking at LGBT plus businesses and bringing them into to provide goods and services for their for their companies. Because that's that's what I would say is, is also one of the one of the kind of the hallmarks of um, of innovation in, in a lot of senses, because it's, it's simply just 
when I feel like when you fold in um, this diversity of perspectives, this diversity of um, of thought and diversity of experiences, it just it. It, it opens up so much, and it opens up the understanding of not only the way you do business, but um, also just the the holistic uh, approach to not only how how business works in this country, but how society functions as a result of business, and as a result of the uh, the viewpoints and the experiences that are getting represented. Yeah, I mean, again, I think we it's generally, hopefully it's generally accepted that, you know, diversity is, is good. It, it's good for business because, you know, to your point, it's, it's bringing in those, those different perspectives, those, um, new approaches, those new th- ways to think and address challenges and, and find new solutions and, and ultimately drive to innovation. So I think in general, we, we kind of understand that, that, broader business case to diversity and inclusion. But, you know, so then the next step is what are we doing to actually, you know, to take that further? And how are we, how are we taking that as, as I mentioned before, how are we taking that outside of our organization and really, you know, leveraging that, that understanding of the value of, of diversity um, into the broader context of, of how we do business and, and making sure that it's kind of cross enterprise and it's not just sitting in, in our HR department, but it's, it's sitting in, in, in our marketing departments that it's sitting within our procurement departments that we all truly understand and are embracing that the value of, of diversity. To get a, to give the audience a, a sense of scale, um, let's move into how many members does the chamber have and what's the estimate of LGBT plus entrepreneurs in Canada in terms of the number of them? So, I mean, these are, these are always interesting questions to ask. Uh, and I think, uh, so first of all, in terms of kind of the makeup of our organization, so we are a national organization. We have regional partners, LGBT uh, chambers of commerce or, or business associations across the country. Um, and so they act as, as kind of our, our core members. And, and really what we do as, as an organization, we really try to drive LGBT businesses down to our regional partners um, where they can kind of get uh, a little bit more involved, active within those, those regions um, where they are kind of working and, and, and living. Um, so long story short, I guess in terms of that, that the broad umbrella of, of our memberships, we'd probably be sitting at around 750 to 1,000 um, members throughout our entire network. Um, as, as a national organization, though, you know, we're, um, we're also work very closely with, with corporate partners. And so uh, we have, uh, I think it's around 30 corporate partners right now that are aligned in terms of, again, what we, what we do and what we're delivering. Uh, your, your question around the estimate of the number of LGBT plus entrepreneurs in Canada is, is, another, is another tricky one. And I, I'd say probably for the last five or so years, we've been using a number around 144,000 LGBT entrepreneurs in Canada. And, and you know, we, we use that number, uh, you know, we, we extrapolated that number from data that was out in the U.S., as well as, you know, looking at uh, numbers here in Canada and basing just general um, entrepreneurship in Canada and, you know, estimating based on the, the the estimated number of LGBT individuals in Canada. So that's where we came up with 144,000. But this, just this past summer, we actually did in partnership with Nielsen 
as well as the Office of Small and Medium-Sized Enterprises and TD Bank. We, we did a first national LGBT plus business landscape study. And it was really meant to give us a better understanding of, of you know, what does what does the landscape look like here in Canada? What uh, what are some of the challenges facing LGBT plus businesses and so on? Um, and so, again, part of that was really to help identify, you know, what what are we actually looking at in terms of size? And and what we what we found and and not necessarily in a good good way was that uh, we found that about one in every 40 businesses uh, identify as an LGBT owned business. And so that puts it at around twenty eight thousand. And, you know, that's that's in stark contrast to the 144,000 that we've been putting out there before. Mm -hmm. And I think what we've realized in, in going through that that data, it, it reinforces, you know, I guess, in part why we as an organization are still here. And it's it's because we we found that LGBT entrepreneurs and, and businesses are still hesitant to self-identify. And, you know, we, we still see that in, in the workplace, but we're also seeing that now in entrepreneurship is that, you know, LGBT mm -hmm. business owners are still cautious about self-identifying. Um, and, and there, and there's mm -hmm. reasons why, and, and we have some of that and, you know, maybe we'll talk about that later on in the, in the cast. But, um, so I think that it just reinforces that there's still work to be done to make sure that our, our business community, our entrepreneurs, feel comfortable in, in self-identifying and realize that there's, there's value to, to be self-identified and being, uh, out. And flying your flag in the, in the business community in your personal life as well. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And that, and that really does lead, uh, lead well into my next question, which is what are the representative values of the chamber and how do they contribute to the success of your members in, in the sense that like, what are the, what are the key messages your members can rally around? Yeah, you know the the board, our, our board just actually this past June, we we sat down and as part of our annual strategic planning review, and we, we revisited our our core values and and I think that where they where they sit now, they really are representative of kind of who we are and and what our stakeholders ex, uh, expect from us, and you know, and we have a, a pretty broad uh, set of stakeholders, and so I think that for us to make sure that we're responsive to that. Um, we really need to pay attention to our, our values and and what we've identified is you know kind of five core values and and the the main one and and probably no surprises you know uh, is around inclusive you know this is really what we are and who we are and it's essentially our mantra as I mentioned at the start you know really to create uh, an inclusive economy and I know that this you know inclusive can have you know pretty uh, quite a few different meanings and um, even just within our own community group you know within uh, we talk about lgbt plus um, but we're all very different you know so it's you know we have to understand the importance that uh, each of, of those different groups within lgbt plus can bring and then you, then you layer on the the piece around intersectionality and um, you know so it's not just uh, we're not just LGBT plus entrepreneurs, you know, we're visible minorities, uh, we're indigenous that also identify as LGBT plus. So that intersectionality is, is something that's really important to keep in mind. So we shape our programming that to ensure that we are speaking to everyone and, and providing that value to everyone. 
And then even within the broader community, um, we're really conscious of making sure that we're inclusive of the broader community and, and make sure that every single every single person, every single partner um, feels like they, they belong and, and making sure that our, again, our programming supports every single uh, individual and, and community group. Uh, and I guess which that really leads into our, our second core value, which is collaborative. And, and this is, this is, again, equally important to our organization. Uh, we know that we cannot do this alone. And so we collaborate and, and I talked about our partners earlier on, but you know we really do collaborate with so many other different groups, not only LGBT groups, um, but other other business groups, um, other programs that are aligned in in business and in entrepreneurship, uh, other chambers of commerce, and, and and a lot of different, especially you know in terms of again a lot of the programming that we do. There's there's different groups that we work very closely with, so that collaboration is really key to. Again, helping to find ways to support our, our SMEs. Uh, you know, our, our third kind of core value is is really about being dynamic. And again, I think that by virtue of, of what every SME uh, has to do today and, and to stay alive, you know, being dynamic is is really key. And so we're we're no exception. So we need to make sure that we're constantly changing and and adapting to, to today's world. And and I guess that leads you know, very directly into the the next value, which is being proactive. And and our organization's been around for for 15 years, but you know, I'd say for for the early early several years is that you know that was something that we unfortunately weren't. We were we were probably more on the reactive side. And so this is something that we're really realizing is is critical for our success is to really be able to look ahead and be proactive in in what we're doing and, and identifying again ways that we can best support our, our stakeholders. And in, in our, our fifth value, which is it's been part of our values for for several years now. And and every time we do a strategic review and we look at our values and someone always questions this last one and it's and it's fun. And you know it, it kind of sounds like an odd thing to have as a value, but you know, we all know that entrepreneurship is hard and it, it's it's a lot of work and you know, time away from the family and it's stressful and frustrating and nerve wracking and it's it's a lot. And so one of the things that we look at as as a as a business organization, as a as a chamber of commerce, is that we can help to sometimes ease that pain. And and I think by remembering that one of our values is fun, we we can help our entrepreneurs in that way. We we can make things just perhaps a little bit easier. And, you know, so when they walk away, you know, they're saying, wow, I, I'm glad I did that, or I'm glad that I was a part of that. Um, you know, and so, you know, when we, when we talk about this in our, in our strategic client session with the board, you know, they always walk away and say, okay, yeah, let's keep fun in there. Cause it is something that is important to keep in mind that we know for the health of entrepreneurs, you know, sometimes they, they need a little bit of a fun. Mm hmm. Yeah, no, and 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 one hundred percent agree on that one, and um, and and kind of uh, drawing on, on the note of uh, of addressing those challenges, and and what I'm sure are some unique challenges that come with being a uh, an LGBT plus entrepreneur. Um, I want to know what can be some of those most common uh, common barriers that LGBT plus entrepreneurs face, and what programs does the chamber run to address those? So, and. 
You know, I think there, there's a couple things here. And, and so, as mentioned, we, we did a, a, the national survey uh, earlier this summer. And, and in, in tandem with that, we also did consultation sessions across the country and speaking to our LGBT plus business community. Um, and so I think there's, not surprisingly, a lot of the challenges that they face are the same challenges that every other entrepreneur and, and business face. You know, it's access to capital. It's HR issues. It's, you know, uh, marketing. It's, it's the same challenges that, that every business, other business faces. But then there's that added, that added complexity, I guess. And, you know, when I, when I think back to some of the consultation sessions and, and meeting with some of these entrepreneurs, there was, there was one gay business owner in, in Halifax, you know, who, who talked about a time when he was going to go pitch to a room of venture capitalists. And his biggest concern at that moment wasn't about, you know, making sure his pitch was perfect. He was, he was worried that his voice sounded too gay. Um, you know, we had uh, one of our, we run a youth program and one of our young youth entrepreneurs, you know, he sat down with me and he told me that he never thought that someone who was black and gay could start their own business. Um, and, and we had a, a trans entrepreneur in Vancouver who was, you know, she talked about a time she was about to go in and meet with a potential new client for the first time. And she, she was terrified of losing the contract because of how she identifies. So these are the things that that are consuming our LGBT plus entrepreneurs. You know, some of the I have some of the stats here that came out of the, the study that we did, and and we found that 46% of LGBT plus entrepreneurs on at least one occasion have purposely hidden the fact that their company has LGBT ownership. So you know, we have 46% of of entrepreneurs hiding the fact you know, at least at one point that there there's LGBT ownership. But then 33% of LGBT businesses actually indicated that having LGBT ownership has resulted in the loss of opportunities. So companies here, they, they, they're actually experiencing the loss of business because they have, they have, um, they have identified LGBT individuals as as owners and then another 28 percent of businesses that have faced discrimination in the past because of lgbt ownership so i think when you know when we're talking about challenges it is it's sadly it is very much still about that fear of discrimination uh fear of losing business because of 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 who they are Mm. and that's it's 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 something that's very very sad to hear and a, a response that was turning around in my head was, um, as you know, I, I, but before you before you hit kind of on the tail end of that was like, well, surely it it doesn't matter, um, you know, who presents this idea for a business or who presents this idea for for whatever this fantastic idea might be for a potential client because at the end of the day, it, it's not about the person who's pitching it; it's about what the idea is and what it can actually do. But but to hear you say that that's um, that that ultimately does play into it and, and does play into the final decision. That's, uh, it's, it's, I'm not really sure how to respond to that. <laughs> no. And, and you're right. And it, and it shouldn't. And, you know, and some people will say, and, and we even hear this from the LGBT plus community saying, well, you know, I'm an entrepreneur and I'm not an LGBT entrepreneur. I'm an entrepreneur that is, is gay. And, and that's right. And that's how it mm. should be. Mm-hmm. Um, but hand in hand with that, they need to be comfortable in 
in who they are. And, and I think if we, we go back to, I, I, I talked about, you know, our, our workforces and our, and our workplace, and we know the importance of, of having a, a, a really inclusive workplace, because part of that, you want your employees to feel comfortable in being who they are, to be their, bring their whole selves to work. You know, and we know that through research that, you know, that helps to improve productivity. It reduces uh, turnover. So people feel and are more productive because they are who they are. And so I think you can apply the same logic to entrepreneurship. If you can, if you feel comfortable being who you truly are and bringing your whole self to your own business, you're, you're more focused on making sure that your business is successful, that you're bringing the best that you can to your clients. Um, you know, unlike my, my Halifax example, where he was so concerned about if his voice was, was, was going to sound too gay, that did he actually present the best pitch then? Mm -hmm. You know, I, I don't know, but you know, if his, if his concern and his focus is around, you know, the, the sound of his voice as opposed to, you know, what he can deliver for his client, that's where it, um, you know, we, we need to focus on how do we get beyond that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no. And, and that's, and that's again, um, ties exactly into what those, what those kinds of unique challenges are and, and, and strictly focused around the idea of, uh, of, of simply there being this inextricable link between, uh, between the business idea and the person who's presenting it. It's there, yeah, as you said, there's definitely still, still work to be done. And, um, in terms of, of doing that, I, I do want to ask what you think you see currently in the Canadian entrepreneurial landscape, um, that is being, you know, that is, is showing support for LGBT plus entrepreneurs and, and where do you think uh, that support still needs to be given? What do you think those kind of consistent gaps are? So I think that certainly, you know, if, if I look at some of our, our, our different partners and, and so I, I talked about our, our corporate partners and I think that that's where we've seen a lot of, of support and a lot of, um, a change kind of being driven through our, our, our corporate partners. And, and, and I'll speak to one of our, our specific programs that we run, which is called, uh, we call it supplier diversity. And so the whole concept with, with supplier diversity, as, as you know, I alluded to it earlier, was around helping to ensure that diverse owned businesses are part of, of the, of the corp corporate and public supply chain. So if you look at uh, historically diverse owned businesses, and again, I'm talking all diverse businesses, not just LGBT, but diverse owned businesses are, are tend to be underrepresented within, within corporate and public supply chain to the point where I think it's, it's around 5% of all corporate uh, procurement spend is with diverse owned businesses. So, you know, that's, that's, that's sad, you know, like when, when we're looking at, you know, women owned businesses, indigenous owned businesses, LGBT owned businesses, and all of those only make up 5% of corporate um, procurement spend, there's, there's a disconnect there. And so what, what we're finding is that corporate Canada is realizing that this is not good for business for them. They know that for them to have the best solutions to, to be able to deliver and produce the best products and services, they need to have diversity of thought within their supply chain. And so they're, they're working to, to change their model. And so they have a, a programs in, in place called supplier diversity, which is 
helping to support that that change in in the supply chain. So it's it's about finding diverse owned businesses. And so in our case, um, what we do is we connect LGBT plus businesses, owned businesses, with our corporate partners and and help get them access to those procurement opportunities. And that's really all it is. It's about helping to create that access. Um, but what we find is once diverse owned businesses and LGBT plus businesses have that opportunity to to bid on those contracts, that's how they're they're we're we're able to kind of change change that that underrepresentation. So it's at least about creating greater access, and that really here in Canada is being driven by 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 companies by corporate Canada here. So that's I think one big piece. Um, I, I think the uh, if we look on the on the public side and, and government, you know, where there's our, our current government is is clearly for, from an LGBT business perspective is is very supportive and, and we've done some some great work with with the with the government um, and and they understand the value of of entrepreneurship of SMEs and they've been putting a lot. A lot of attention and support behind uh, the, the importance of diversity and inclusion as it relates to entrepreneurship. And so, uh, for example, one of the things over the last watch over the last two years with their progressive trade agenda, you know, really helping to make sure that LGBT businesses and, and all diverse businesses have access to to trade and uh, to global trade opportunities and making sure that they're part of our export um, uh, mandate and, and push. And so for the last two years in partnership with global affairs, Canada and, and EDC, we've led two trade missions down to, to the U S. And so what this is doing is again, it's helping to create opportunities for our businesses, helping them to make connections outside of our domestic marketplace here, helping to them to, to grow their business, um, and hopefully ultimately succeed. So, you know, I think we, we've seen some really great support both on the, on the, on the private and public side to help to kind of create some of these, these opportunities for our businesses. Mm. And in terms of areas that you, uh, that you do still see room for improvement in? Um, well, I think that, uh, you know, there, there's still lots of room for improvement, I guess, um, you know, on that same vein of, of supplier diversity and, um, you know, that from a procurement perspective, we've got a long ways to go. Uh, I, I mentioned, you know, we have great partners in, on the corporate side that are very supportive and, and uh, instrumental in, in that here, uh, but it is still too, too few. And it's, it's about educating uh, those corporations, getting them to understand the value and the investment that is needed to uh, to implement such programs. If we look south of the border, you know, supplier diversity has been rooted in how they do business for the last 50 years. But it's been it, the key difference there is that it was really federally legislated. Here in Canada, as mentioned, it's it's publicly or it's um it, it's corporate driven, and so it's it's taken a while for you know the rest of corporate Canada to catch on to the value. So we've got some work there. And again, at the, at the public side, I would say the same thing is that we need our, our governments at, at all levels to really understand the importance and the power that they have 
um, in helping to drive change through through business. So getting them to to change their procurement practices and and make sure that uh, diverse suppliers and LGBT plus suppliers have those same opportunities. We can look at a great model here in the city of Toronto. Our organization is based in Toronto, uh, and we worked with the city a couple years ago to as they built out their social procurement uh, policy. And what that does is it uh, ensures that for contracts under $100,000 that there is at least one diverse owned business that is part of that RFP process that they, that they are invited to bid on those contracts. And for contracts over $100,000, they are encouraging um, companies to have some type of of inclusive procurement practices in place. So, you know, so there are some, there's some great examples of what, you know, both government and, and, and corporate are doing to help drive this, but we still have a, a long ways to go. Hmm. And I, I think both of those, uh, those points that we covered tie in very well to the next question, uh, which is what is your vision for the Canadian entrepreneurship ecosystem in terms of inclusion and diversity? Well, I, I think to, to kind of build on what I was just talking about, yeah, I think absolutely. It's really about, you know, my vision is to to make sure that there are greater opportunities for diverse owned businesses, for, for LGBT plus businesses to have those equal opportunities to, to access, you know, corporate and, and public contracts. I think that you know, procurement provides uh, and, and supply chain provides huge opportunities for our for our entrepreneurs, for our SMEs to really grow uh, and succeed. But they need to be at least given that that opportunity and that equal access and that chance to get their foot in the door. Um, so I think that you know, if my vision to if we can have this really ingrained in how. Uh, corporate Canada and and the Canadian governments at all levels really do business. I think that that would be you know one thing. I think obviously the the other piece is is from a on the entrepreneur side, LGBT plus entrepreneur side, is for them to not to have to hide who they are and that they can feel that they can be who they they truly are. Um, that way they can really bring all that they can to to their business and really help to create the most thriving and, and strong business that they can possibly bring. So I guess maybe hand in hand with that is um, really letting entrepreneurs feel that it's okay to to come out and, and embrace who they uh, they are. And and as mentioned before, it's it's not about being an LGBT entrepreneur. It's it's you know it's they're entrepreneurs that are LGBT plus, but um, they we need to we need to we still need to see them. We need to have it um, socialized that it's okay to be to be LGBT plus and to be an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. I think uh, Daryl, as we wrap up our conversation here um, and looking back at everything that we have talked about, uh, what I want to know is what do you think? the most tangible takeaway from everything we've covered today uh, is that entrepreneurs could use to implement in their business immediately after listening? So I think it's, you know, I, I guess diversity is a strength. And so we need to leverage that. And so, you know, if, if you as a, a listener, 
you know, identifies as LGBT or visible minority or as a woman or as indigenous, you know, use that as a strength. Don't don't let anybody hold you back. You know, um, you you bring a unique perspective and, and you know a different way to see the world, and so we we need to leverage that and you know use that as you're trying to uh, grow your business, as you're trying to find solutions for your clients um, and solve problems. Use that as your strength. Um, and you know, and, and you talked about innovation earlier, and that is really what you know spurs innovation is this this uh, different, different viewpoints and different perspectives. And so I think if, if we as a country are really going to continue to grow and, and prosper, we need to continue to embrace that diversity. And I think for, for those listeners that don't identify as, as diverse, I, I think the message is, is still the same. Realize that diversity is important. Um, and so whether it's within your workplace or within your your supply chain, understanding that diversity is important and, and realizing how you can support that. So whether it's encouraging your own personal networks, um, you know, if you if you know of, of diverse owned businesses, let them know that there are organizations out there that are supporting them um, and helping them, you know, grow their businesses and be successful. Um, uh, and you know, if if you know of L- if you know of LGBT owned businesses or any diverse owned businesses, um, look at ways to engage them in your into your supply chain, even if it's small contracts. Any way that you can uh, engage them in into your networks, you're helping them. You're helping those those community groups prosper and to help economically empower them. So, you know, I, I think at the end of the day, if by supporting our, our diverse owned businesses and LGBT plus owned businesses, we are supporting our, our communities at large and, you know, really helping to create that, that inclusive economy here in Canada. Mm. And, and again, I, I think that really does hit at the core of entrepreneurship and innovation, which is, uh, which is using and, and, and making best use of, uh, the pieces that are lying around for, uh, for what, for what is, um, what is on offer to drive Canada forward, drive the country forward, and really drive uh, drive forward the success and value that the, every Canadian can offer to themselves and others. Daryl, I'd like to thank you so much for being on the show today, for coming on, sharing your experience, uh, your wisdom, your expertise. And uh, really, again, it was an absolute pleasure having you for today's conversation. My pleasure. Thank you, Matt. I appreciate the opportunity and having uh, a great chance to chat with you. Not a problem at all. Take care, Joe. All the best. Take care. Thank you for joining us this week on the Startup Canada podcast, a show dedicated to unlocking the potential of every entrepreneur with access to inspiring stories and tangible lessons to help you run your business. Until next week, I'm your host, Matt Curtis. Go check out the latest startup community news and upcoming events like our popular hashtag startup chats on Twitter every Wednesday and Friday at 12 p.m. Eastern. 